Hi there and welcome to Voicebox, your weekly guide on radio and podcast to the art of the human voice and the best of the vocal music scene. I'm Chloe Veltman. Thanks for joining me once again. When we think of surfing and singing, songs like this one immediately come to mind. The archetypal surf song, Surfing USA. The 1963 track features lyrics written by Brian Wilson for the Beach Boys, set to the melody from Chuck Berry's Sweet Little Sixteen. If you've just joined us here on Voicebox, welcome. I'm your host, Chloe Veltman. You can catch us on the dial or download our free weekly podcast on iTunes. Search for KALW Voicebox. Early 1960s surf rock hits like the one we just heard helped to create a strong identity for surf culture. But there's so much more to the relationship between riding waves and singing songs than the Beach Boys and Dick Dale and the Deltones. To help us explore the link between two favourite California pastimes, our coastlines after all attract thousands of wetsuit wearing water babies each year and there are more than 500 choruses in the Bay Area alone. I'm lucky to have in the studio with me Robert Geary. Bob is the conductor of Volti and the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir, two renowned Bay Area-based choruses, and also the director of the San Francisco Choral Society. He's also an avid surfer. Hi, Bob. Glad you could join me tonight. Thanks, Chloe. It's great to be here. (laughs) So, Bob, the Beach Boys had an impact on you when you were coming of age, right? But the band didn't continue to be much of an influence on you, even though surfing became a huge thing in your life. Can you tell us about your early days out on the ocean and what it was that made you lose your interest in the surf music that was so fashionable when you were growing up? Mm. Sure. Um, I began surfing in New England, not a part of the country really known for surf. (laughs) And uh, in fact, to be a surfer from that part of the country, you had to undergo some particularly difficult things like very, very cold water. People think the water in Northern California is cold, and it is not cold at all compared to the water in New England Hmm. in the winter, which is when most of the better surf occurs back there. Um, So I was a teenager, a young teenager, as the Beatles and Beach Boys were, you know, reaching their apex. And um, I enjoyed uh, the Beach Boy music and sort of had some, I guess, images of the California surf lifestyle, which is really a Southern California, Malibu type of um, identity going at the time. Uh, but once you once you kind of begin to explore the sport, it moves rather quickly for me, and I think for many surfers, away from uh, the, the, that sort of lighter, more superficial, um, you know, gidget 
beach beach party on the kind of kind of identity and, and into something that's more of a relationship with with the waves and with the nature of it, of it all yeah and also I think in the mid 1960s there was the British invasion right and I think that also interfered with the popularity on the whole of that of that music it kind of died out didn't mm, it yeah, for a while it, at least yeah interesting yeah I think it you know it, it kept its subculture going I mean I think I was aware of it um, but my reason also for, for deviating was just as my own musical interests be, continued to expand I I eventually, um, you know, it was after uh, John McLaughlin and the Mahavishnu Orchestra concert and a Chick Corea concert, and I view the, those artists as just completely brilliant people. But when it became clear that even they were relying on turning things up so loudly that you were endangering yourself, I, I sort of felt like that's not really what music is. It's not about electricity and volume, so let's keep digging and, you know, move beyond. Um, so, yes, the, the British invasion was part of it, but just, I think, ch my own changing interests in, in the, what music was and what parts of music I was most interested in discovering or exploring. So how do you encapsulate the relationship between singing and surfing? I mean, mm. it's such a, a lovely idea to bring these two things together, and they mean something quite different for you. Yeah, I think that um, there are similarities, uh, uh, of course, but it has to do with... Um, maybe having the mind become open and calmer and more receptive and there are parts of the experience of surfing that um, can be very meditative there are also parts that can be very very demanding and very very uh, challenging and even you know survivalist type of stuff can occur in in the water and all of those experiences I think kind of focus the mind and also clear out a lot of the chatter, the background noise in the mind. And I find that a similar um, experience in performance and, and, you know, working in vocal music is most, I do most of my work with vocal music, um, so that, you know, you're, you're eventually stripped down to um, a clarity and a sensitivity um, in both cases. But I do view the, the surfing one as more, you know, it's a physically proactive, of course, conducting is very physically proactive, but there's a musical aspect that also is more receptive. Um, so one is maybe more overt and one more introvert or something like that. Okay, well, we're going to get into that, I think, yeah. in a bit more detail over the next hour, because we're going to explore the ways in which singing and surfing intersect in the holistic sense, and also what different kinds of vocal music reveal about life on the ocean. We're going to hear a track now by the professional group that Bob leads, Volti. It's a 2008 live recording from St. Gregory of Nyssa Church in San Francisco of a piece called Infinite Oceans by Rob Patterson. Bob, beyond the fact that the piece has ocean in the title, why did you want to include this song on tonight's playlist? Mm. I think that actually Rob captures some of the moods and some of the changes in the ocean, some of the acoustical phenomena of the ocean, you know, just listening to it. And and um, it's interesting when he first sent a sketch of the piece, I think some of that was more raw and, mm -hmm. and more immediate. And I think it's a little more polished and refined now, but you can sense sometimes a suddenness, sometimes a placid and calmness um, and, and always changing, some always shiftings. And he has some fun with that, just with some of the rhythmic ideas and harmonic and melodic ideas that he employs. It was The piece was commissioned for Yes, Volte? it was. Okay. Well, let's listen now. Here's Volte's recording of Infinite Oceans by Rob Patterson.
You're tuned into Voice Box. I'm Chloe Veltman. Don't forget, you can download our free weekly podcasts on iTunes. Search for KALW Voice Box. I'm in the studio with chorus conductor and surfer Robert Geary. We're exploring the relationship between singing and surfing. We just heard the professional chorus that Bob leads in San Francisco, Volti, performing a work entitled Infinite Oceans by Rob Patterson. The recording was made at St. Gregory of Nyssa Church in San Francisco in 2008. From a scientific perspective, surfing and singing are united in their relationship to waves. Bob, what can you tell us about how these two activities interact with the energy that gets transferred through waves, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's probably a little easier to start with the the waves on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you maybe remember the science experiments where you drop a pebble in the water and watch the waves radiate out. And that basically, rather than dropping a pedal, pebble, um, a wave is created by a variation in atmospheric pressure. So a, a big violent storm over there by Korea will pound on the surface of the ocean and create waves, mm-hmm. um, which will then radiate all the way across the ocean. So in the wintertime, in the northern hemisphere and in the uh, you know opposite times in the southern hemisphere, in their wintertime also, when the big storms are being produced, that's when the big surf comes. And... It's interesting because that rawness of a storm 3,000 or 4,000 miles later on the other side of the Pacific can be this magnificent, beautifully groomed um, set of swells that are rolling across. Um, And it's also interesting that the wave, in in the wave itself, the water is not moving across the ocean. It's just the molecules of water transferring the energy of the wave one to another. And it's not until they actually get to breaking on the beach or on the island or wherever they're they're coming ashore that, you know, at the very last few hundred yards, there's surface water moving in in a, you know, dramatic way. So a wave is kind of a transfer of energy. Um, and really, sound is similar. It's mm-hmm. a transfer of energy. So if we snap our fingers, um, what we're doing is setting a bunch of molecules of various gases in the air mm-hmm. uh, vibrating. Mm-hmm. And they, we, we say it's a waveform because it can be graphed that way. But it's really these vol- molecules that are transferring one to the other as they collide against each other uh, and ultimately you know, hit the receptive materials in our eardrum and, and our ear. And, and then we translate that. So there's, there is that similarity. You know, wave Waveforms seem to be a popular concept in physics in general. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, How do you relate to the waves in, in surfing versus singing? Do you exploit them in the same way? Hmm. Surfing, you know, you're, you're trying to climb on top of one, mm-hmm. basically. You see it coming and you want to um, match it, join it. Uh, and so you exert a great deal of energy to get onto that wave, and then you ride it. Uh, but I think with the listening experience and the acoustical experience, it goes back to that somewhat more receptive thing. The wave comes to you, and you then experience it, and, and your mind you know, um, analyzes it in various ways, appreciates it in various ways, and we come to translate the information that comes in the waves in, in certain ways. And, you know, a sound wave is, I'm, I remember in the, you know, early 70s in the, in the electronic sound labs, you know, looking at, oh, here's a flute, which is a kind of a pure sine tone, and here's an oboe, which has more of a sawtooth wave, and, you know, the shape of waves. So 
there's a quality of wave. There's the um, speed of the wave, which essentially is the pitch. Uh, and then there's the amplitude, you know, the, the width, which is the volume of the wave. So um, there's at least those three basic qualities that, that we're receiving and analyzing as we listen. You're listening to Voicebox with Chloe Veltman. This evening we're exploring the ways in which surfing and singing are related. My guest is Bob Geary, the conductor of the San Francisco Choral Society, Volti and the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir. And when he's not carrying a baton, Rob likes to carry a surfboard. We just heard the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir with a haunting rendition of The Moon Dance, a piece by Mark Wingers. Bob, how does being on a surfboard help your work as a musician specialising in the voice? Hmm. Um, I have to say that we all in the Bay Area and, you know, kind of modern society, I think we all are um, receive so much stimuli Mm. and, you know, in the ways that we've pieced our lives together with technology and the and the speed of things and the need to make a living and kind of piece things together. We're moving so fast and, you know, quote. What, what's uh, we're multi-tracking or multi, multitasking, multitasking, and you know, our minds kind of get, I think, a little too busy and a little frazzled, and ultimately, you know, you can't keep that many balls in the air forever. Mm. So what do you do? Well, you sleep. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go to the gym or something. I mean, everybody finds their way, and for me, one of the best ways is to be in the water, mm-hmm. and I think that there is the physical feeling of being in the water that it's funny if I'm away from it for too long it actually becomes kind of a longing mm-hmm. um, there is this you know it, it there's the full range of the moods and atmospheres of, of what the water is that day you know it can be a calm and easy or it can be just as dramatic and everything in between you know um, so I think that the connection to the water and to the experience of you know surfing I think that that experience for me again allows me to let go of the busyness Mm -hmm. um, and find a calmer uh, place and once I find the calm place then sometimes it's thoughts that seem to come up that I can process sometimes it's ideas of you know creating programs or coming to some understanding of, of uh, how to move a piece of music forward interpretively or um, you know uh, maybe it's uh, since a lot of this is about new music you know what I do it maybe it's some um, idea of how to make a new music project work um, what composer might work in what particular way or something like that so it's 
you know, we do our best thinking it, you know, when you first wake up in the morning before your mind's too busy, don't you sometimes have mm, these, that's true. you know, clear thinking times and yeah. uh, lucid moments. I, yeah, right. I, so I think it, it's, it helps with that. Do you surf first thing in the morning or it's, any time uh, of day? Around here, you're very linked to the tide cycle. Yeah. So um, now I'm going to give away one of my secrets, but if you call me for an appointment... I have two different calendars that I consult. Uh-huh. One is my weekly, monthly written out map, and the other is the tide book. <laughs> so if I can schedule a meeting, you know, at a time that fits well, I will do that. As you rightly <laughs> but please should. don't tell anybody. Oh, no, no one will know. <laughs> so are there any other activities beyond surfing that help to provide the same level of focus and oneness mm. for you with regards to thinking about music? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think there are other activities f for other people, and mm -hmm. there and there are some that maybe for me have worked. I do remember similar experiences in the mountains in New England. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit of winter snowshoe camping in my life, and that's mm -hmm. a very quiet and kind of yeah. You know, there's a stillness to that. It's I mean, it's funny to talk about the ocean being still, but there you know, and sometimes it's not. But you know, mm -hmm. that there's another way to look at the that ocean experience too. Is um, but I do think that in some ways, if it's a concert where, you know, you've really had to be super focused in preparation and, and you come to that moment and there's that, that same single focus point is there on the podium, you know, that's mm -hmm. funny. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we conductors, especially we conductors who conduct at my level, which is largely community stuff you know i'm not in davies hall that often mm -hmm. although choral society does go there so you're on all sorts of podiums you're standing on a stair or you're standing mm -hmm. on some jury rigged type of thing and people always be afraid you know oh, bob don't fall off and i'm like you have an excellent balance you, you don't know the half of this you know <laughs> it's not an issue <laughs> but do you think that your work as a con as a choral conductor helps your surfing skills in any way mm. does it run the other way for you hmm well, I would say, again, they may complement each other because both do require, you know, a kind of total concentration yeah. at times. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the concent you know, I think we talked a little bit about this the other day, but the concentration that uh, the, the, in both activities, the moment of performance is a very small slice of the overall time spent preparing for the performance. Right. Um, so, you know... I, re I think I remember Robert Shaw once saying that he he uh, he spent some eight hours of preparation for each hour of rehearsal. Right. And I've never tried to analyze that for myself, and I don't think it's that much. Mm -hmm. But it's considerable, and that's just and you know, a rehearsal is in its way a performance mm -hmm. because you're doing the same preparation. You've got to get a rehearsal, and you've got to make music at a certain level, and then yes. finally you move to the complete performance. But in surfing, it's a, a f similar thing. There's a certain amount of preparation. There's actually quite a bit of physical effort to get to the point where you can actually paddle and catch yeah. a wave and have that moment It's exhausting of <laughs> paddling out. I mean, I've, I've tried to surf, try, emphasis on tried, several right. times. You. And it's so tiring just paddling out to even the baby little waves to try. By the time you get out there and get on the board and invariably fall off and paddle out again. Yeah, know. sure. Yeah. So. Well, you need to take a little vacation to Waikiki. Ah, uh, yes. You know, I did once take a small vacation there, and but the weather was all wrong. I never actually, so I, I surfed once on, on that vacation. Yeah. So, um, 
Do you perceive any similarities between the best surfers and virtuoso vocalists? And mm. if so, what are what are they? Interesting. I do think that both that that you know the finest surfers uh, can elevate to sort of an art form. Mm-hmm. I mean, just watching the sport, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, the the sort of simpatico between the energy of a wave and the energy of someone who's really a really good surfer uh, is it you know I mean I've felt that about many things you mm-hmm. can feel that about watching the ballet or you know I used to feel that way about watching Joe Montana run an offense for the 49ers <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I think that um, and and also I have known a couple of pretty good surfers I, there are a bunch of surfers that are so egotistical that it, it's impossible to even have a sense for what are they like really because they're mm-hmm. so busy being competitors or being mm-hmm. you know a certain type of identity but there are other people who I have known who are really excellent surfers who are so genuine and so immediate in their communication mm-hmm. that you know that they're you know they're experiencing the surf as well as the rest of their life in an artistic way you know mm-hmm. yeah and what about on the other side uh, i mean some singers are incredibly athletic you know i mean it, to sing well actually you have to be pretty fit in, mm-hmm. in some ways you know well it's it, one immediate crossover is you know we we uh, we singers as you well know probably are uh, uh, dealing with issues of breath support all mm-hmm. the time and breath preparation and uh, there's one conditioning exercise that I've become fond of in recent year or two, and that's the Farinelli breath. What's the Farinelli breath? The Farinelli breath is a measured breath. You might inhale for a count of three, hold the air for a count of three, and exhale all the air over a count of three. I see. And then maybe do it to four, and then do it up to eight, nine, ten, whatever. So it's a way of getting the ribs to expand, of trying to use more of your lung capacity so that, that when the time comes to sing a long phrase or to you know mm-hmm. really just be in condition to sing a long note or in tune and have that strength that's there. I can use that before I go surfing, too, huh. to... Uh, I, for the same reasons, really, to just realize more of my lung capacity. We tend to breathe, I think, what do they say? We use 20% of our lung capacity when we're just right. sitting and chatting. Um, so, yeah. So, we've been talking about the highest end of the scale, the real experts in, in singing and surfing. So, I'd like to turn our attention briefly to the other end of the scale. It strikes me that while surfing is incredibly hard to get the hang of as a beginner, I, I can speak from experience, anyone can sing without trying too hard. I mean, do you mm. agree with this or...? Hmm. Yes, I do. Um, but I think that becoming, rising to a level of real creativity with either is tremendously demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I grew up, um, I, as I said, in New England, and we would ski in the winters there. And I think it, it's very easy to be a not very good skier. It's not easy to, you can't be a not very good surfer. You have to kind of get to a certain level to where you've got a competency and then from there you can, you know, move ahead or, or not. But there's a, there's a difference. Was there any stage in your life where you thought that you might, might like to be a professional surfer? No, I'm not that good. Uh-huh. I, I think that, and also I'm, I'm sort of one of these people that is in, in things for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just about 60 and um, I think I started surfing probably when I was 11 or 12 and it was 
really in my 30s, 40s that I began to really want to make sure that I continued to do it and to kind of work at it more. So I'm, I think uh, I have a couple of surf friends I'd have to check with, but I think that I'm probably surfing as well as I've ever surfed now, even though I'm way past my physical prime. Um, <laughs> Which is fun, you uh-huh. know, which is fun. But no, the, the fellows that are that gifted as athletes, I mean, uh, nor am I Leonard Bernstein on the podium, you know. I mean, <laughs> I have my place and I love it very much and, uh-huh. and, and I may not have quite realized my potential yet, uh-huh. but um, I think there's, uh, there are other classes. You know, MTT is, I am not an MTT on the podium and I am not a Kelly Slater on the surfboard or a Laird Hamilton or anything like that. So do you regard vocal music as work and surfing as play or are work play part of both activities for you? I feel very fortunate that I don't have to really separate it out that much. Um, I would say email is work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As a lot of us in the in the uh, conducting profession these days say we don't get paid to conduct, we get paid to do email. But, you know, I mean, there are like, just like surfing and paddling out and getting there before the actual moment of riding a wave this the preparation in terms of administrative and planning that this feels like the work part to me i can't say that rehearsals i are are the joy mm-hmm. and performances are the joy um so i would say i feel very fortunate that i have a few activities that are joyful and that i can work very hard the rest of the time but as long as I have those occasional joyful activities life is great (laughs) you're listening to voice box I'm Chloe Veltman one two three four tuned into Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman. Voicebox is available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes. Look for the show under the search term KALW Voicebox. I'm in the studio with Robert Geary, the conductor of three choruses in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Choral Society, the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir and Volte. Alongside his choral activities, Bob is an avid surfer. We just heard Surf, a seminal surf song by the Ka'awa Crater Boys, a Hawaiian contemporary musical duo. It's one of American surf culture's most beloved anthems to the sport. And it's interesting because even though the group comes from Hawaii, there's a little Jamaican or reggae riff there, which Mm, makes it sound different to the typical Hawaiian surf song and we'll get to that in a bit but it's clear from our discussion Bob that songs about surfing of which there are many don't really encapsulate the link between surfing and singing for you the Robert Geary surfer playlist is of an entirely different order I think and I thought it might be fun to play a few tracks that you mentioned when we were chatting the other day as speaking most strongly to you when you're out on the ocean with your surfboard battling the elements or peacefully waiting for the next clean break to roll in first we'll hear uh, another performance by the brilliant Piedmont East 
East Bay Children's Choir, a song entitled Nocturne by Eric Twan, who is himself an alumnus of the chorus. And then we'll move to the Sanctus movement from Benjamin Britten's War Requiem, performed by the Leipzig Radio Chorus, the Dresden Philharmonic Orchestra and the Dresden Boys Choir. And finally, we'll move on to the Credo movement from Mozart's Mass in C minor. The recording features the L'Orfeo Baroque Orchestra and Chorus, conducted by Michi Geig. This is Voicebox with me, Chloe Veltman. I'm in the studio with Bob Geary, who combines a career as a choral conductor here in the Bay Area with a lifelong passion for surfing. Bob, can you talk us through, please, the three tracks we just heard? Uh, Eric Twan's Nocturne, uh, the Sanctus Movement from the War Requiem by Britain, and um, Credo from the Mozart Mass in C minor. Why would these pieces, which on the face of it have nothing to do with surfing, use regular surf music on your surfer's playlist? And I would go back to this idea, first of all, that you know, in the ocean there is this infinite range of... of um, mood and intensity and like I guess we were talking earlier about uh, wave shape and dynamics and speed but you know it's easy I, I don't mean it quite in the sense of the 19th century you know leader settings of using nature as a metaphor for human emotions but there is this range of experiences that we certainly can find psychological an analogies to, or at least I can. So, you know, Eric's piece, Eric Tuan's uh, setting of the Neruda text, um, Noc uh, Nocturne, uh, is one of those pieces that can, I think, really unlock me uh, so that I'm experiencing a little bit of that aching void 
you know, the place where you are almost breathless with, um, well, Lauridson sometimes does that, right? Mm -hmm. It can take you to a place where you're in a deep meditation inside. And that is not unlike, I am, you know, I, my wife would not like to hear this, but, you know, I've surfed alone many times, and especially up in Northern California, and you can be out there and, and, and just have this profound sort of, just this feeling of uh, isolation amidst beauty that is so overwhelming that it kind of strips you uh, mm -hmm. down and, you, you know, you feel that ache. So mm -hmm. I can easily see that, you know, for me, it's very personal, I guess, but, you know, the connection between what Eric's piece evokes and that that type of experience. I, when you ask me, you know, what, what do I reflect on between surfing and music, the Britain went into my head because, you know, the news, when, when it's news about surfing, it's like, who surfed a 90-foot wave? Well, I'm here to tell you that I'm thrilled if I surf a 12-foot wave. <laughs> um, and I'd be thrilled if I surfed a 2-foot yeah, wave. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it, I'm not so concerned about, you know, that part for my own personal surfing, but the you know taking a big powerful section of the britain war requiem and and sort of raising your arms to the sky and you know grasping all this angst and and energy is is very much like looking up at a, a, the face of a 30 foot wave or a 50 foot wave and i have looked up the face of them i might tell you <laughs> and it's you know sort of terrifying and it's an overwhelming amount of physical power um, and it's uh, a question of survival. Mm -hmm. And I think Britain, I love the War Requiem and have had the privilege of conducting it with the Choral Society a couple of times. Um, I think that Britain did more than any other composer I know of to capture the energy of World War II. You know, I mean, I wasn't around for it, but all of those things I just described are in that music and they're in that, you know, the potential for destruction, the, um, the possibility of survival, you know, the pain, the intensities are all there. So, you know, I can see that being analogous both in, in the water experience and in the musical experience. And then to go to something like the Mozart credo mm -hmm. uh, from the Grand Mass in C minor, it's the opposite in a way because it's buoyant and it's exuberant and it's confident but anyway uh that also is that to me is like a a, a sunny day and s six foot waves and enough time to not be rushing off to that meeting that was in the other calendar uh <laughs> and and to have an experience where i can be physically fulfilled and it creates an optimism and i have to tell you after a surf session like that, if I go to a rehearsal, I'm a different person. Hmm. And the rehearsal becomes a different experience, too. It, it, it does generate some kind of energy in my psyche that I can then use um, to facilitate a rehearsal that, that can sometimes, I can, I can actually help an entire room full of people rise to that level of having fun with a full-on Focus in a rehearsal. It's interesting. You know? 
<laughs> That's, that is super interesting. It's like the, the choral equivalent of the uh, clean, lovely 20-foot break or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Hawaiian culture is packed with traditional songs that are not only about surfing, which is, of course, a national pastime there, but also seem to reflect the idea of being on the ocean in an intimate and organic way. One example is the classic song Hea'ea, which starts with the lines, they're at Hea'ea, on the wave surfing, surfing in the crest, going out on the backwash. When I manoeuvre, I reach the water's edge. The lilting guitar accompaniment that suggests gently rocking waves at the start, but the accompaniment gradually becomes more swirling and rocky, so all is not calm out at sea. Here's a recording of the song by Cyril Painui. This is Voice Box with Chloe Veltman. That's me. Voice Box is also available as a free weekly podcast. Listen to your favourite shows from the Voice Box series anytime, anywhere by searching for KALW Voice Box on iTunes. On tonight's show, all about the relationship between the arts of singing and surfing with special guest Bob Geary, we just heard Cyril Painui performing the well-known Hawaiian surf song Hea'ea, and I'm sorry for butchering those Hawaiian <laughs> terms. So we've just spent nearly an hour making a case for the relationship between singing and surfing, Bob. But, you know, it's a funny thing. When we look at the history of surf music, it's evident that a lot of it, of it is instrumental rather than vocal. In Hawaii, for instance, much of the music devoted to describing the fluctuating conditions out at sea is composed for slack key guitar. And the surf rock movement in the US has its roots in instrumental music. Vocals actually only became popular around the time that the Beach Boys uh, came out. Um, but even in more recent times, with the revival of surf rock in the 1980s and 90s, much of the music again avoids vocals do you have any clue bob as to hmm. why this might be the case you know maybe the surfers weren't singing in the choirs but they were in the garage afterwards playing the guitars <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious that could very well be it i think the um um i think the average surfer if there is such a thing is mm -hmm. not the uh fellow that's taking art classes and uh singing in the choir and kind of exploring that side of the psyche so maybe that has something to do with it the other thing that's always um fascinating me about hawaiian music is you know in hawaii the ocean can be enormously dramatic and you know overwhelmingly powerful but the hawaiian music always seems to be this more lilting hula style mm -hmm. of, of music and mm -hmm. i've never figured i mean it's an island lifestyle that it reflects also but mm -hmm. it, you know it doesn't seem to capture the other dimensions of the ocean as much. Right, the yeah. enormity of some of yeah. those waves and, yeah. and sometimes the conditions can be really harsh yeah, I mean, even there. Yeah. Huh. Let's listen now to an excerpt from a fairly contemporary instrumental track by the Mermen, a San Francisco-based band with roots in surf culture. Here's Ocean Beach. Ocean Beach 
I'm Chloe Veltman, your host for Voicebox. I'm chatting with Robert Geary, a choral conductor and surfer, about the relationship between singing and riding waves. We just heard an example of an instrumental surf track, Ocean Beach by the Mermen, a San Francisco-based band. Bob, I have a final couple of questions for you as our time is almost coming to an end for tonight. What can singers learn from surfers and what can surfers learn from singers? Surfers can learn from singers a sensitivity, a sensitivity to sound and a a sensitivity to beauty and a type of respect for one another's uh, emotional uh, and intellectual presence. I think that singers can learn from surfers that the degree of commitment that it takes to master that sport and in fact under the extreme circumstances to stay alive Mm -hmm. um, is something that can transfer I think to everything we do I mean that I think we we all need to figure that part out how to how to realize potential (laughs) all right then all you singers out there it's time to get wet and if you're a pro surfer it's time to join your local choir Anyway, thanks so much, Bob, for sharing your ideas, music and surfer zen with us tonight. It's been so much fun. Perfect. Thank you, Chloe, for having me. (laughs) To find out more about the choral organisations led by tonight's guest, Robert Geary, please visit voltysf.org, piedmontchoirs.org and sfchoral.org. Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. Our series producer is Seth Samuel and the web editor is Victoria Lim. Voicebox needs your support. To find out how you can make a tax-deductible donation to keep us on the air, please visit our website at voicebox-media.org. Donating is safe, easy and tax-deductible through our online PayPal link. Check out our free weekly podcasts on iTunes and via voicebox-media.org and also visit our homepage to mull over and respond to the question of the week. We love to know what you think of us, so friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can also write to us anytime at info at voicebox-media.org or call us with your comments and questions. Our number is 415-841-4121, extension 3515. That's 415-841-4121, extension 3515. We started tonight's show with the Beach Boys, so it seems only fitting to finish with them. Here's Surfing Safari. Have a songful week. Let's go surfing now. Everybody's learning how. Come on a safari with me. Now everybody's learning how Come on a safari with me